Well, we're going we're gonna to open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. If you would, turn with me there. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8. I'm going to kind of pull off a couple of things from, our, from the message on Sunday when we talked about making sure we make a commitment to believe the Word and then do the Word. You've got that faith in those things. I'm going to kind of uh, piggyback on that along with I watched Don Potter's uh, service the first uh, the first year that he came here, and that was in June of 2016, and I uh, just kind of watched it over again, and he made a statement in that, and, and I, and I kind of want to pull off of that because I believe the exact same thing. And uh, the reason we're studying Genesis tonight is because we kind of are pulling from that in our class on Monday night, and I kind of want to go with that. And so we're bringing all this kind of together, I believe the Lord is, and he's going to give us an incredible word tonight. But Don Potter says this. He said in that, in that video, he believes there's only really one cent. There's only really one cent. And I was like, I heard it again. I went, dag on, man. That's right. What's the cent? Unbelief. It's really the only cent. When you don't believe God. And there's just all kind of ways not to believe God. And we're going to kind of go over that and go over the devil's strategy towards you here in just a minute. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start in the creation, in the garden, in verse 8 of chapter 2. We're going to read kind of how God creates man and what goes on there a little bit. And I'll point out a few things. And then we're going to skip over and look at the fall and how that occurred and some interesting things about that. And we're going to get a couple of testimonies in as well. So we got a rope. You ready? Verse 8, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Let's say that together. We got that. And out of the ground, say it, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. If I had your my Bible with you like me, I hope you got one you can write in, underline good for food. God made every tree that he made in the garden good for food. The tree of life was one of those trees, and it was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge... It, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so there's two trees in there, the, the, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that he made that were pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four rivers. And, and those four rivers are described there. And in verse 15 it says this, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And so through God places the man in the garden, his, his deal is to, is, to, is to tend and to keep the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. Well, there's a couple of things in that that I want you to just take note of. And the first one is this, is that Eve is not there. 
When God has given the instruction not to eat from the tree of good and evil, Eve is not in the garden. She hadn't been created yet. He, he, ha, he has put Adam in the garden to keep the garden, to, to, to make sure that he is lording over the garden, and Eve isn't there yet. The other thing that you need to understand is that every tree in the garden was good for food. If, if the tree of life and the tree of good and evil didn't have good food on it, God would have said, you, <laughs> he wouldn't have said you can't eat from it. And so we know both of those had the ability to eat, and they were also, as God created all other things, they were good. Yes? Okay. So in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1, we'll see uh, s- some things that enter into the pic- picture. It says in verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. So the first thing I want you to see is that the serpent was more cunning. Of all the things that God had created in every, every living creature, the serpent, was more cunning. Now, what I did, and I just did an interesting word search, because I don't really think that when God is telling the story that we really should be focusing on a snake. First of all, I think it could be a spiritual connotation. That's a possibility. Uh, But whatever creature Satan decided to enter into, and I don't know how exactly you enter into a snake, but I can't figure out why you would want to enter into a snake. But there's a lot of other things like that. So I just happened to start studying the Hebrew on this, and I got back to the root of the Hebrew word for serpent, and it actually comes from the word, the Hebrew word, enchantment, or to practice divination. That's kind of wild. And the one who was practicing divination was more cunning than all the beasts of the field. The one who was a sorcerer, the one who practiced enchantment, was more cunning than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. First of all, he's questioning whether God said you couldn't eat from the tree. And secondly, he's taking credibility away from the man. The first thing you've got to understand this is that the woman has gotten the information secondhand. God has not told her personally not to eat that. He told the man, he gave dominion to the man and told the man to tell the woman. And so Adam tells the woman, so Satan is messing with the woman, asking her questions, giving her the ability or the reasoning to question what the man has told her. And look at what it says again. You shall not eat of every tree of the garden every tree emphasis on every and the woman said with integrity 
to the enchanter, to the one who practices divination. We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, there's this, there's this thing going on here that you need to really be aware of because it happens to you probably on a daily basis. And that is you actually have a pretty good idea that you know what the Word of God says and, and you're pretty convinced about it, but yet somehow doubt creeps in of whether that's what it really means, of whether... You know, is that is that going overboard, or you know, is that the God when He wrote that? Is that what He really meant? Is that really okay, or whatever it might be? But it enters into, and it deals with what God really said, and whether you're really understanding what God said, or if He ever said it at all. And so the woman says to the serpent, "We can eat those things. We just can't eat the ones in the midst of the garden." And God, God has said, "You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die." And then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. In other words, that's just not true. Have you ever thought that what you believed about God was not true? Or anything about the word or the promises of God or the ways of God or the nature of God that you ever had this, this idea or this thought or this error that came in or some kind of something that said about your thought processes is that is it that's not really true and so satan's tactic is to discredit your way of thinking and he's trying to get you believe to believe that what god actually says is not really true or that you're somehow misinterpreting that, or whoever told you that, or whatever's telling you that, whether it's the Bible or a preacher, he's trying to discredit that thing that is, is uh, proclaiming the Word of God in your heart and in your mind. And it is a seed of doubt. Now, what you've got to understand is that that seed of doubt is always, always, always on the line. It's on the fence. Because Satan says this, in verse 5, For God knows that in the day that you eat of that fruit, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, first of all, you and I both know that by Scripture, how you become like God is you get born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And you get stamped on you, sealed by the Holy Spirit, the very nature of God. We were created in His image. We know all those things to be true. But how would we be like God? There would be something that, that came alive that He is saying that, that we would be like God because God does know the difference between good and evil. And we would, we would begin to have an understanding that we didn't have. And so He's not lying. There's an understanding that God has that when you eat from that tree, you're going to have that understanding too. And so in that respect, you would be a little bit more like God in that moment as far as knowing good and evil. And then he says this. So the woman, when she saw that the tree was, say it with me, good for food. Is that true? Yeah. Did God make it that way? Yes. 
and it was pleasant to the eyes. Is that true? It is. And a tree desirable to make you wise, as she was convinced by Satan, because she would be more wise like God. She took of the fruit and she ate it. And she gave it to her husband with her, because he's standing there the whole time, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound, and that word translated sound in the Hebrew actually means the voice of God or the spirit wind. And, the, and they heard the spirit wind of the Lord God walking in the garden and in the cool of the day. That word there actually means spirit wind, actually. And, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, we sang that song just, just a minute ago. It was a beautiful song that Anna sang just a minute ago. It says, you no longer have to distance yourself from me. You know, I love you. I don't know. You don't have to di distance yourself. What causes you to distance yourself from God oftentimes is your condition. You know what your condition is. And he's saying to you in the midst of your condition, I died for you when I knew what your condition was. That's what the whole song was about. It's such a beautiful picture of what we're viewing here in the garden. And they hid themselves. And he said, and, 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 the, and the Lord God called to Adam. And he said, where are you, Adam? And when, and when Adam sees himself, and you hear these two things from the pulpit all the time. You've got to have sober judgment. You've got to know where you are. You've got to know where you line up with kingdom. You've got to know what you're thinking, what's in your heart, what's your motivation. Why, do you, why are you satisfied? What satisfies you? What gives you pleasure? What motivates you? What, what do you get affirmation from? What makes you feel good about yourself? All those things you need to make sure that you have sober judgment. In other words, in those things, how you, you know, how you feel good about yourself or whatever it might be, you say to yourself, where am I in that? And the answer has to come from a place where, where am I in the kingdom? Let me, I'll get to that in just a second, but let me just keep going with this right here. And, and it says here that they heard the voice in the garden. I heard your voice in the garden, Adam responds. And I was afraid because I was naked. And because I was naked before you, I hid myself. And God's response is so important. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Did I tell you you were naked? I didn't tell you you were naked. Who told you? Who told you? You know, so oftentimes we're listening to the wrong voice and what God is saying, hey man, you're listening to the wrong voice. I never told you you were naked. Who told you that? Who told you? You see, what sin is, it is getting out of alignment with God. It's a way of thinking or anything that comes out of our mouth or anything that in our heart that is contrary to the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of God that, is, that He wants us to live in, and He wants us to live in it now. And He's asking you, why are you in your thinking? 
Where are you in your heart? Where are you in your speaking? Where are you in your believing? Where are you in your assessment of yourself? Where are you in your love for yourself? I love the scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your, you know, some of you really are really rough on your neighbors because you don't like yourself at all. And so your neighbor's catching wrath because you're loving them like you love you. And then you don't love you very much. And you, and you can't do that. Why would you love yourself? Why would you say negative things about yourself? I heard a story today of a, of a person who, who says, I'm just a piece of, and they use the word, you know, the little, the little emojo that you got on your phone that none of you use because it wouldn't be good for a Christian to use that emojo. What do you call that daggone thing? It said, see, at least I share. <laughs> but 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 he said about himself I'm just a pile of crap is another way to say it and I want you know you you think it in your mind who told you that who told you that is God a perfect God this was the answer that somebody gave is God a perfect God the answer is he answered yes God's a perfect God if God wants to create things, can he create things glorious? And, and, the, and the guy answered, yes. So why do you think he created you a pile of crap? Did he mess up? Did he make an error? So who told you that you were a pile of crap? Where are you? Who told you that? Yeah? We listen to all the wrong stuff, and the only way we sin is when we agree with something that's outside of God. That is the only sin you have to worry about. Only thing you got to worry about is agree with God. On what? On everything. On the way you think, on the way you talk, on the way this, what's in your heart, on the way you treat people, on the way you handle your finances. How you give, how you serve, what your work ethic is, how you minister. All you've got to do is agree with God. Well, how do you do how do you know what God's thinking? How do you know what God's feeling? How do you know what God uh, does? Well, it's right here. It's in His Word. You see, we, we've, we've got to go to another place in our, in our passion for the Word of God. I mean, can I say that enough? Because it's impossible not to sin if you don't know the Word of God and agree. And Satan can whisper all kinds of things in your ear, and it's going to sound close. He's not going to give you... You, you know, you might say, well, Pastor, this uh, he's not going to entice you with evil most of the time. If some of you can be enticed by evil, we need to get a little bit closer. He's going to entice you with something that you think looks good and pleasant. 
He's not going to entice you with the blatantly nasty stuff. And he's going to say, does God really think that way about that particular thing in your life? Or is it okay? That's what he's going to do. And so, Eve makes the decision to do that, and he brings all that in. Now, I just want to, I got a testimony that I want you to hear, and I think it's, I think it's amazing. And I might have to prod her a little bit, but we're going to get testimony from Mel as she comes. Why don't you give her an, a, a big round of applause, and she's going to share. You want me to just finish it out the whole night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, was talking to Pastor Alex today a little bit just about some of the things that the Lord has done in the past year and um, so much of what he's talking about tonight about just learning, you know, who I'm listening to and, and separating out what the Lord is versus what's attack and what's emotion and learning how to manage it all and, and really walk in confidence and all of it. And it started um, last year I prayed. I just, I was constantly, you know, just feeling this insecurity and just, just emotion and brokenness and just struggling all the time. And I'd have this victory with God and the next week I'd be tanked and I'd be a mess again. And then I'd have this victory with God and the next week I'd tank and be a mess again. And I just thought, this doesn't seem like the Lord. This doesn't feel like the Lord. And so I started thinking like, Lord, what, what's missing in my life? And I felt like he said, you know, if, if you understood who you were in me, there's a power there that, um, that can't be matched. And so I started praying, Lord, I want to see myself like you see me. You know, I want to see confidence and victory, and I, want to, I don't want to see myself through insecurity and brokenness. And so I was praying that, and I just thought, it was at the beginning of last year, it was in January, I think it was actually New Year's Day, and I was like, what a good year. Like, I'm, Lord, tell me how great I am all year. Like, he's just going to tell me all the awesome things about myself. He's going to show me how great he created me, and everything's going to be awesome. And so I kind of just, you know, sat back and was like, all right, Lord, tell me who I am. And it ended up being the hardest, scariest year I've ever had. And I mean, when I prayed that prayer, I don't think I realized what I was asking for. Because when, when you ask the Lord to show you who he's created you to be, he's got to pull all the things out of you that aren't him. And so all this stuff started coming out. And of course, then the attack comes with that. And so I was all of a sudden, you know, just waiting for the Lord to tell me how great I am. And then next thing I know, I'm, you know, anxious and having panic attacks and I have health problems and everything the whole year tanked. And I went from feeling perfectly fine to just a wreck. And I felt like nobody, nobody's broken like I am and nobody knows what I'm going through. And you felt all, you know, all the shame comes with it. And, um, I, so one day I called Brock and I was just crying and I was like, what's happening to me? What's going on? I don't know what's the Lord and I don't know what's not. And I don't know what's emotions. Everything's a mess. And I was just crumbling. And I was like, Brock, I can't, I can't trust what I feel because everything's all jacked up, like physically and emotionally. And I can't trust my thoughts because who, like I can feel the lies in there. Everything's just confusing. And he started laughing. And I was like, Brock, what do I do? Like, you're a pastor. Help me. And he's laughing. He's like, that's so awesome. I was like, who, what? And he said, that's so awesome. And he said, Mel, you shouldn't trust those things anyways. And he said, what a great place to be where the only thing you have to stand on is the word of God. You can't trust what you feel, and you can't trust what you think, and you can't trust what's going on around you, but you can trust the word of God. And it wasn't like it was this pretty thing where I was like, I trust the word of God, and everything's awesome. I would have to wake up in the morning, and I would feel terrible. <laughs> and the enemy would be right here telling me I'm terrible. And I would have to close my eyes and say, 
Lord, I trust you. I don't see your faithfulness in this moment, but I know it's there because it's who you are. I don't see your goodness right now as I'm waking up, but I know it's who you are. And I know that you created me and you, you call me chosen and holy and accepted and all these things. And so that's what I'm going to believe. Not what I'm feeling and not what I'm seeing, but that's my only thoughts are going to go like this. And so the Lord had to strip all this stuff away. He had to strip out all these, these broken mentalities that I had picked up over the years of my life and all these things that have been taught to me. And you had to strip all that way away and that stripping process was not fun. <laughs> it wasn't pretty, it wasn't like I woke up and felt better. It was just this constant digging and tilling and, and plowing every day and it was confusing. And I just every day would wake up and say, Lord, this is who you said you are, and so I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to stay until you show me this. You know, this is, you said you're faithful, and you said you're good, and you said that you had plans to prosper me and, to, and not to harm me, and I don't feel that right now. I don't see it, but I'm going to stand on that, and slowly that became my truth. Slowly everything in my life started to filter through that thought, you know, but I had to, I had to work at that. And so as you, as you go through that, and as the Lord begins to kind of redefine your truth, you start to be able to tell you start to, to be able to discern what, what voice is what, you know? All of a sudden, it wasn't so confusing because I know if it's, if it's goodness and faithfulness, it's the Lord. If it's shame and if it's insecurity, it's not. And you begin to filter out, Lord, what are you showing me? Because sometimes Lord shows us that stuff to grow us through it, you know? And so, Lord, what are you showing me? What are you saying? What do you say about my insecurity? What do you say about these feelings of shame? And I just began to take them and mold them into the Lord's truth. And so as the year went on, it was just work and work and work. And I was telling Pastor Alex, um, I was spending some time with the Lord this week, and I was actually in the story of creation. And I was reading, it was Genesis 1-2, and it says that the earth was dark and formless and, and empty. And the little note in my Bible said that this is the first time you see God's character really come out. And this, this part of his character that brings chaos into order. And so you see this kind of chaos of this dark formlessness, and God says, let there be light, and light comes, and God says, it's good. And I was just thinking how much our, our transformation process mirrors creation. You know, the Lord, to make, me, to make me understand who I was in him, he had to go and point out these dark and formless things in me. And he looked at them and he said, let there be light, let there be life, let there be goodness that comes from these things that are really brokenness right now. And he brought that chaotic stuff in me, whether that be because I'm just human or because maybe the way I grew up or just broken mentalities or decisions I made, I had this dark, formless stuff in me. And the Lord came and he hovered over it and he said, let there be life there, let there be light, let it be good, let it produce things. And he started calling out all this stuff. And I just was thinking about the idea of creation, and when the Lord looked at the, the emptiness and the darkness, and he said, let there be light, I don't think it just was light all of a sudden, but I think it was probably this intense process of stirring and ripping and plowing and all of these different things. And as the light came in, he looked at it and he said, that's good. It's good. This process is good. And I just thought about how the Lord looks at our transformation, not after it's done, but in the middle, as he's bringing light and life into these places in us that hurt and are scary. He looks at them and he says, that's good. It's good because there's going to be life there. And you just have to keep trusting in him and standing firm that the Lord brings chaos. The Lord brings order from chaos, you know, and those things inside of you that you feel like nobody else feels or understands. The Lord goes to those. He hovers over them, just like the Spirit hovered over the darkness, and he says, let there be light. Let good things come from it, and he calls it out. And so I was telling Pastor Alex just how much we have to 
know what the Lord's saying about it. What's the Lord calling out in your heart? What's the Lord calling out in your life? What is he saying about it? Because I'm telling you guys, as soon as I prayed, God, I want to see you. I want to see myself like you see me. I've never been attacked like that. I mean, I didn't, I did not know up from down. It was scary. But through that process, truth came out that I didn't know. A foundation of emotional stability came out that I didn't think I'd ever be able to experience because the Lord brought order out of my chaos. And so, step. Who are you? Who told you to lie? What is sin? Would you agree with the lie? There's no other sin. Sin is aligning yourself with hellish forces. By thought, by heart, by deed. That's it. Amen? And so we as a people of God are in process of bringing what's chaotic into the light. Six days in a row, God took chaos, spoke to it, and at the end of the day, after life came to it, he said, and that is good. That's good. Now it's good. Whatever chaos you got going on, whatever thought processes, whatever's in your heart that is contrary to the ways of God, God wants to bring order to that by his word, and he wants to say to you into your life, now that's good right there. I'm going to make that bad, and I'm going to turn that into good. How do you do that? Is that you've got to worship him, you've got to praise him, you've got to know the word, and then you've got to be obedient. Let me ask you, I've got one more thing, and then it's perfect timing. How many of you love worship? How many love to worship God in song and singing? I do. Now you think let me ask you a question. Do you think God cares more about you loving worship and singing to him on a Sunday and a Wednesday and riding down the road in the car? Do you think he is more interested in you actually doing what he said do? He's really not interested in hearing you sing unless you do what you do. Doing what, you, what he says do, agreeing with him, coming in alignment with him is the most important thing we do. And then as, out of that alignment, we sing to him. There are places in scripture where he says, quit praying and quit singing. Stop it. I'm not listening to none of your prayers. I ain't listening to none of your worship. Because you ain't interested in doing what I'm telling you to do. You're not interested in aligning yourself with me. So stop what you're doing. So there's this place that we come to God and we have to be sober and say, where am I? Where's my heart in there? How am I doing there? What am I speaking out of my mouth? Am I speaking kingdom life or am I speaking chaotic death over situations? Am I agreeing with Satan and hellish forces about my character, my nature, and my doing? How much do you love yourself? You know, I really believe that that's huge. 
in, a, in tonight and in the body of Christ. Do you love yourself? Do you speak life over yourself? Or do you speak death? Do you speak chaos over yourself? Do you agree with it? Do you, do you acknowledge it and say, that's the way I am, this is who I am? I, are you negative? Are you filled with joy? You know, what's your, what's your, what are you like on the inside? And if you're, if you're not like kingdom, you know, if you find things, like Mel does. You know, Mel and I laughed today because I said, you know, it's what I try to communicate when I say God's not this warm fireplace fire that you cuddle up to and say, God, but, you know, let your consuming fire come. <laughs> Mel experienced the consuming fire of God. She said to the Lord, Lord, show me what you see in me. And he said, okay, I'll do that. And then when I do that, I'm going to burn all the impurities off. But listen, I, 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 I encourage her today, and I want to encourage her in front of you, and I want to encourage you at the same time. Mel could not have taken what God showed her last year, three years ago. She'd have broken apart, fell apart, and been a puddle on the floor and never recovered. She had grown to a place spiritually and maturity-wise in the Lord that she could actually take what the Lord was about to give her. And she, and she liked the foundation out here. She dang, dug out all that heart, that soft ground. And she got to a place, Michael, where the ground was hard enough to begin to lay the foundation that God wanted to build on. And God says, says I'm going to dig all that stuff out for you, Mel. I'm going to dig it out. I'm going to get all that soft ground out. And I'm going to get down to some good foundation. And I'm going to pour the concrete in there. And we're going to build a house. And it's going to be a house for God. And he wants to do that in all of us. That's what he's doing. He's building his house. And he's saying to each one of us, examine your heart. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Be sober-minded. Don't think more highly of yourself than you are. So as you examine yourself and you see these impurities, we'll call it, he says, now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Only healing, reconciliation, and replacing chaos with order. Agreeing with heaven, coming into alignment, going from loss to victory. You set the tone. You set the pace. In your life with God, I set the pace for my life in God. The leadership of the church sets the pace for the church life in God. So I am ready to roll. I got Mel Nevitt with a good foundation. I'm going to get beside her. We're going to walk and cast out everything that don't look like God and everybody in here. One of the things I was going to do that I've got to close. I don't have time to do it. I was going to set somebody I didn't know. We might do this next next week. Somebody I don't know real well. I'm going to set them in a chair right here, and I'm going to do what we did on staff retreat, and we're going to start praying over that person. And I want to watch. I want you all to watch what God does as we pray over that person, as he begins to reveal the things that this person needs to be prayed for. And we start prophesying over that. 
you, you'll be you'll be amazed to watch it. God just gives words of knowledge. He gives prophecy. He gives the things that this person needs, and we begin to bring order to chaos through the Word of God. It's an amazing it's an amazing thing to watch. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you, God. Let me just read two scriptures real quick. I got to, man. This is just too good. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is Paul writing. It says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Paul's fear for the church was that we would be we would lose our pure, undivided devotion to Christ and be corrupted, just like Eve was. Chronicles 21.1 says about David, Satan stood up against Israel because he moved David to number the Israelites when God had told him not to. Revelation says this, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast down to earth, and all his angels were cast out with him, and his whole being is there to deceive you with almost truth to get you to align yourself differently than being in total agreement with what God says about you and this world and his kingdom because our job is to tend to this garden called earth father help us do that I pray does anybody want to make a commitment to that tonight? Would you raise your hand with me? If it's, if it's me, do you want to see the Lord do something new in you? Do you want to experience the things that God wants you to, to cut out the garbage and to bring light to darkness in your life? Father, help us tonight. We lift our hands and our heart to you. Father, as we move in everyday life, show us, let us hear ourselves speak let us bring every thought captive. Let us test the desire and the patterns of our heart. Let us love you as we love ourselves. Let us love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We love ourselves but we don't think more highly than we ought, and we're humble and not prideful. There's a purity in what you do that you want us to experience, and we want to experience that. Help us to do that, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.